It is Locked On Jazz for Monday, the 2nd of August, NBA Free Agency Day. We'll recap what took place with the Jazz on draft night, the trade of Derek Favors, and the upcoming free agency. Is Mike Conley a done deal for the Utah Jazz? Plus, what to expect around the rest of the league. It's all coming up on this edition of Locked On Jazz. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Ton to catch up on. I'm kind of sort of on vacation. I'm at least in Maui and trying to touch base with you guys every now and again. So apologize for the kind of inconsistent shows. Um, and I'll do the best I can time change and being with family and not want to disrupt people and not certainly not want to wake up everyone by doing a podcast at four o'clock in the morning in Maui has restricted my ability to get everything done. But uh, hopefully you're understanding. And that thanks to everybody who tuned into our live NBA draft show. It was a massive success. Um, and really appreciate everyone tuning in, and hopefully you enjoyed the coverage. Chad Ford, Raphael Barlow, John Corrales did amazing uh, work on that. All right, let's start. We're, we got we have three major things to hit today. We got Jared Butler and how the Jazz played out the draft night. We've got the Derek Favors trade, which I actually kind of, if, if you listen to me for the last two or three weeks, I thought was happening on draft night. And then we have the free agency coming up here with Mike Conley as the primary objective uh, for the Utah Jazz. So let, let me walk through the first thing. So the Jazz on draft night are sitting at 30. It's a guaranteed contract. You're in the luxury tax. You want to move that pick. Um, and that's what we saw a bunch of teams do. We saw in, in different ways. And the Jazz were able to move that pick, get down to 40, um, and be able and get some other second-round picks, and then be able to uh, acquire a pretty nice talent in Jared Butler. Now, I, I, I'm excited about this pick. I think this is a good pick, and I do believe like the Jazz were interested in 30. Um, I am not one who like generally buys into the idea that the Jazz are smarter than everyone else on the block. Like I think if you start to believe that you're smarter than everyone else on the block, you actually start to make some really big mistakes. Do I think the Jazz are well-prepared? Yes. Do I think most teams are well-prepared? Yes. Do I think the Jazz have a really good front office? Yes. Do I think most teams in the league have a pretty... Yes. Right? Do I think Quinn Snyder's a brilliant head coach? Yes. Do I think that 25 head coaches in the NBA going last year were, were really, really good? Yes. Now, Terry Stotts was one of them, and you know, he's not in the league right now. And so, you know, this year we've got a bunch of first-year head coaches. I think sometimes, I think the coach uh, uh, split could actually be bigger this year than it's actually ever been before. Um, that's just a side note. With all these first-year head coaches, I think having Quinn Snyder will be a larger advantage 
uh, to us the same way having Ty Lue for the Clippers and having Frank Vogel for the Lakers will be a, a larger advantage than it has been in years past. But nonetheless, so I'm excited about Jared Butler. I've watched him a little bit um, and, and looked into him. And I, I did, I, I'll be honest, I didn't think I, I saw a really nice player. I didn't think I saw a 15th pick. Okay. Like, if I watch Keon Johnson, who I'm, you know, has got some problems, I, I watched a player who to me looked closer to a 15th pick. 6'3 with a 6'4 wingspan, that's like that, that brings you down in the draft a little bit. The heart issue obviously brought him down in the draft issue a little bit. But um, I also think like the, the heart issue, while is real, like I, I think that, you know, teams might have been staying away from that a little bit and the Jazz might have known something that others didn't with their connections to Baylor. That's That would be the best case scenario for us. There's also just aspects like he may have just not fit for some people and they wanted something different. I think he's a nice player. He's a fabulous catch-and-shoot guy. He shoots from deep in the games I, games I went back and watched. He shoots willingly. He shoots off the bounce deep. Like, he's NBA ready to shoot. Um, he's clearly a winner. Um, and I think that that's, um, you know, from his track record of what he is, um, there's his, there's not much movement on his shot. There's no reason to believe that that should translate. His speed picks up on the game a little bit. His shot should be able to translate because there's not there's not m- movement. It comes a little low, but it, I, I'm not bothered by it because there's just so little movement to everything he's doing that I thought that he um, that he should be fine. I thought there was a neat little thing. Uh, three things I thought were kind of neat from him. I saw him one hand dunk and I saw him two, excuse me, one foot dunk. So he's driving, he goes off one foot and he dunks, he can one foot jump. And then another times I saw him drive, put both feet down and go into contact. He did this particularly on the right side of the floor. It felt like he was more willing to go in for contact. He had space on the left side of the floor. He dunked that. Hey, I watched like two, three. I actually watched the equivalent of two games. I watched four halves. Um, I, so I, uh, and he, and I liked he's a one hand passer. Like it tells you that he's got the strength and the physicality and the ability to make one hand passes. And he throws he throws across the court like. So those were the things that I that I really liked. So I really liked. Obviously, the winning is is massive. The catch and shoot, the lack of movement, um, the depth of his catch and shoot three is um, is really really nice. The one foot I think is a big big deal in this league to be able to go off one foot. I think is a big big deal. And then. Also be other strength and power. Now, there's some other things that I didn't think were like great. And that's why, like, while I think he's a really, really good pick for 40, I'm probably not entirely in on this narrative that he was a lottery or a 15th pick. He might have been ranked there at some point in time, coming off the national championship, coming off the most value. But as the draft kind of went out, it's not surprise, it's probably surprising to me that he got to 40 watching his film. It's not that surprising to me if he got to say 27, 28, 32, 34. Like I, he didn't like, and, and I'm, I, I'll admit, like I'm an athleticism guy. Like I like athleticism. Another guy that I really, really liked in the draft was the Preston kid out of Ohio. And I think he went to the Clippers. He, he lacks athleticism. He's a little bigger than Butler. He does some nice things. Um, but like he didn't go, he was never a player. Like I would say the same thing about him. Like I really liked him. I told you guys I liked him. I saw what he was, where he was, you know, doing. And I thought to myself, like, well, he's not a lottery. I really liked Herb Jones out of Alabama. Again, I watched him and I was like, yeah, it's not a lottery pick. Primo, 
I'm actually not stunned that Sacramento uh, that San Antonio made a run on him early in that draft. I thought he actually had that kind of athleticism burst you might have. So some of the things I didn't love on Butler, low free throw rate, and you can see that it goes to that floater an awful lot, doesn't get on top of the rim. 53% at the rim last year is not an elite number. There's not a lot of vertical athleticism, and there's not a lot of vertical reach, right? 6'3 with a 6'4, like that's small. I think that's smaller than both Mike and Donovan with your reach, and Mike and Donovan are really small in the front court. Um, I'm a little worried that playing inside the paint, he could get suffocated in the NBA. I think that'll be interesting to watch out of him next year. Um, maybe he has an understanding of angles, and it's hard to tell in the collegiate game because it's so different, and Baylor ran some nice stuff. Um, and maybe he's going to be able to be able to navigate that and have run enough pick and rolls and done enough things in his that that should be all right for him because because of that. Um, but I did wonder a little bit of whether or not he might get um, suffocated um, a tiny, tiny bit inside of uh, the the NBA game inside. But it, it it's it's a good pick like at 40 at 30. It's fine. He might be ready to play. He's got enough experience. He's got enough miles under his belt. He might be able to contribute um, here at some point. And I had generally said that I didn't think we would get anybody at 30 who I thought could play in the second round of a playoff series or really even a first round of a playoff series who would break our rotation. And so that's why you don't take the 30th pick of the draft is because it's very unlikely for you to get that player. And so we got the same caliber player at 40 as 30. Um, I understand, and Tony Jones may know better than I do. I really was not on the inner workings of our draft board. So maybe absolutely this was our guy at 30 and that we predicted he would get to 40 and we read the draft board incredibly well. And if that's the case, tip of the hat to, to Justin Zanuck and his intel on that. That's incredible if they did that. The other thing would be that at 30, we looked at the draft board and with the amount of guys, a lot of who I've already mentioned on this show, available, we knew at 40 we'd get somebody of this caliber. I'm more of a believer that that's what took place, that we evaluated the draft board at 30, and maybe Butler would have been our pick at 30, but we looked at it and said, you know, we get off guaranteed money, we can add some seconds, we can get to 40, we can have less tax burden with this pick, and we can get somebody of that caliber. If it's Butler, Preston, Jones, whomever else, um, there are a bunch of guys that all got drafted in that realm, that one of them was getting to 40. And it happened to be the guy we probably would have taken at 30. So that 10-pick sequence ran perfectly for us. That's my take, and that's my thought on what took place. All right, uh, why do we trade 30 for 40? Why do we trade Derek Favors? What are we doing? Um, let me explain that. We'll do that coming up. And let me ask, and I'll ask the answer, the, the kind of the number one question I think that every Jazz fan has right now about what's taking place. Uh, with their team. Today's show is brought to you by my friends over at Murdoch Chevy, located in Woods Cross, also located in Logan. The Chevy lineup's unbelievable. The trucks are the Chevrolet, uh, the Chevrolet Silverado, as well as the Colorado. The Silverado's the bigger truck. It's got the power, the juice, but the truth is if you're inside that truck, feels like you're sitting on a lazy boy chair, riding above the world, completely comfortable, feeling amazing. The Colorado's a little zippier, smaller utility, gets everything done, fun to have. Those, That's the great Chevy truck lineup. You know Chevy. Chevy and the Murdochs have been together for 90 years in Utah, and you can trust this combination. The Chevy lineup of SUVs is absolutely outstanding with the Blazer and the Trailblazer as well. All right, the next, uh, and by the way, if you want to stop by either Woods Cross or 
um, stop by in Logan. Feel free to email me first. We'll set you up with a meeting as well. Bill Bar is the best protein bar on the market. There's no protein bar like it, and it's supporting the U.S. track and field team as well. With the Grasshopper Cookie is currently available, as is Toffee Almond. So two special flavors available right now, plus you get the free travel cooler with your purchase. Darn it, I purchased yesterday on the Grasshopper Cookie, and that available that was not available uh, for me right now. So I am bummed. That's a great deal to have out there right now. The grasshopper cookie and the toffee almond available along with the regulars, the off the orange, strawberry, coconut, mint, brownie, salted caramel, raspberry, double chocolate, cookies and cream, and cherry bar. You can mix them up and go get uh, two of any of each flavor in the mix box, or you can pick three and mix and match and build your own box. Use the promo code locked 15 and get 15% off at built.com. All right, the number one question I'm getting asked is help me understand how Ryan Smith has all this money, is a billionaire, buys the team, and now we're shedding salary, and it feels like maybe he's not as wealthy as we as he said. So I, I think this is a totally legitimate question, and it's, it's a little complicated to understand how all of it's playing out right now. And so I, 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 and I think it's been asked with earnestness. So the first thing is that the league really has set up rules that if you're in the luxury tax, it's prohibitive not only to the payment of the actual luxury tax, but it's prohibitive on what you can do to acquire players and and add to your roster. And so there's some real value to either trying to get eventually out of the luxury tax or get your luxury tax bill down. It's a good thing. Because if we didn't have this in the league, then Joe Sy at Brooklyn or Steve Ballmer in L.A. could just go endlessly into this tax, paying exorbitant money, and we would never be able to compete in any level at all with any of these teams. So the fact that Ryan Smith has had to do this is not a sign that Ryan Smith doesn't have the money. It's a sign that the league has set up rules that are advantageous for us as a franchise overall to make sure this is the case. I mean, there's still a chance that the Jazz could be up to $25 million into the tax and owe a $65 million check. Now, that number comes down some because of the fact that we were able to sign uh, to trade Derek Favors and free ourselves from that salary. But that's, I mean, that's the reality of of this is not that Ryan Smith is like saving a bunch of money or going to keep us out of the tax. Like he's actually still paying an exorbitant amount, but there's a point in the process where it's just too much. So the, I was thinking that the jazz would be able to couple Derek favors with their first round pick and make a move. And they, they, they couldn't do it. They had to do a future first round 30th, not being that valuable to move Derek favors. It's a bummer. I mean, like the Dallas just dumped Josh Richardson and was able to do it without any penalty. They just dumped him into a salary, into a um, into an exception that Boston had taken. And clearly, I'm sure Justin Zanuck in the Jazz front office called everybody that had these trade exceptions and said, would you like Derek Favors? And they said, no. And so the bummer is the Jazz signed Derek Favors to this three-year, $9 million deal, which you, know, you kind of knew when you signed Jordan and you signed Derek that you're going to have to tr- probably get off some salary here at some point, and the bummer is that doing that cost the Jazz a first-round pick. Now, maybe a first-round pick is worth what you got out of Derek Favors last year. 
right? Like, I mean, if you think about it from that standpoint, like we got, what did we get out of favors last year? We got favors played valuable minutes, allowed Rudy to play bench minutes. Like he gave us a lot last year. And maybe that was worth a first round pick that that's, if you're going to evaluate the Derek favors move of paying him $9 million last year, Rudy wasn't signed yet. I don't think that the Jazz were trying to get leverage on Rudy, but maybe signing Derek and drafting Ud- uh, Udoka Azabuke was all insurance in case they couldn't sign Rudy. I don't I don't have that feeling. Ryan was pretty committed to getting Rudy done. I'd have to look at when the ownership thing happened, um, but I, I don't think that was the move um, by Dennis Lindsay at the time to do that, but maybe. But if you're going to evaluate the Derek Favors move, you have to evaluate – was the value that he gave you in the last year worth a first round pick? Like that's really what it comes down to is that, you know, if you had had to trade a first round pick for Derek to get him to have that value, did, was that, was that worthwhile um, in your mind that he gave us that value last year and, and helped build the team? You had to do it on the backside to get rid of his salary, but it's really basically um, the same thing. So, why did we have to do it? Well, one, if you're paying Rudy the new max contract, backup salary centers are actually kind of a dime a dozen in the league right now, whether it's Dwayne Dedman or Alex Len or any numerous other ones, for, they're, they're going to be available for a million dollars, and there'll be three of them available at the trade deadline for a million dollars. We also have Adoka Azabuke, who if we were going to use a first-round pick on him last year, you you would hope he's going to be able to play some this year to back up Rudy, or at least would like to start the season believing that he worked really hard to get back from that ankle injury, and you'd like to see him be able to play. The irony is actually uh, Azubuke a year ago might have been a player where you could have traded out of the 27th pick and gone and got him at, I don't know, 40. Maybe there were other teams that wanted him, but he was not he was not actually projected at 27. He was projected much later in most mocks, though the mocks aren't always right, but just an interesting kind of thought on looking back at our draft there. Um, and the other thing is maybe we can get a minimum center, a minimum value center with a little bit more versatility. Uh, does Frank Kaminsky resign in Phoenix, or can we go get him and he can actually play outside a little bit um, and kind of alter our roster a little bit in that sense that Azubuke and Rudy are actually the exact same type of centers is there's and we have been talking about roster versatility um an awful lot along the way so are we going to be able to do something in that sort but the fact is you just can't have 50 million dollars signed up in your centers in this day and age in the nba if you're going to pay rudy which was the right thing to do then you probably can't pay Derek nine and so we had to move him and it cost us a first round pick um to do so in that move so that's a little you know a little bit of a bummer um, that we couldn't move him and like just get off his salary the way Dallas was with Josh Richardson, but clearly um, the market didn't allow that. Uh, the other move we made was we released uh, Matt Thomas. So the second round pick we used on Matt Thomas, um, you know, mo- was was worth the flyer. The, the interesting one to me on Thomas, I've always liked him. I've always looked at him. I've always looked into his numbers. I know the Jazz have to. The, the bottom line of him is just too small. Like this new modern heavy shooting. Um, Doug McDermott, Duncan Robinson, um, Davis Bertans, Kyle Corver. Um, they all happen to be white. That's not actually what I'm thinking. Um, but I'm thinking more of the six, the old James Jones, uh, the old six, seven, six, eight, just pure shooter. Matt Thomas was just too small. Like he was kind of in the JJ Reddick form without all of the JJ Reddick skills to that. And so um, that made it a little bit more difficult. 
uh, for him to be able to play. But that's why you just acquire these second round picks and make these moves is so you can take a flyer for someone at the trade deadline. And the Jazz weren't able to get that to work uh, with Matt Thomas. So they released him um, in that deal. All right. What to expect out of free agency coming up with Mike Conley, what the Jazz are doing there. Why is that news out about a three-year, $25 million offer? And what are the other options for the Jazz? And what should we be watching in free agency? Today's show is brought to you by my good friends over at Intercap Lending. Steve Carter is the best. He simply is the best. Intercap Lending has been doing loans for over 40 years. Josh Romney bought the company, brought it to Utah, and they have blown up since coming to Utah. When they first uh, came to Utah, they had a brand, two or three branches. Now they've expanded all the way from Boise to Vegas to Phoenix, all throughout Utah. Why? Because they get deals done. They've doubled their numbers every year. It's that customer service that is hyper responsive. They embrace change. It's a borrower experience. And then it gets to our good friend, Steve Carter, your personal loan officer with an amazing experience. You can call Steve at 385-885-28. You can email me at dlock09 at gmail.com and I'll set up the meeting for you uh, with Steve. Intercap Lending, NMLS number 190465. For more information, visit intercaplending.com. Today's show is also brought to you by our good friends over at betonline.ag with a 50% welcome bonus you can get in the game and get free money. What are the Olympic odds at this point? The USA will play Spain. USA is a 12 and a half point favorite and most likely they will then play Australia who's an eight and a half point favorite playing Argentina. France is an eight and a half point favorite over Italy and Slovenia is a 13 and a half point favorite over Germany. In fact, the Slovenia team has never lost with Luka Doncic on the floor. How about that? Uh, what are some of the fun basketball futures they have out there um, for you? They have all sorts of NBA player futures about next year's regular season MVP and where teams are going to go. Most likely MVP next year at plus 450, Luka Doncic, then Steph Curry, then Giannis, Kevin Durant, Joel Embiid as the top five. Lou, LeBron James, Damian Lillard, Nikola Jokic, James Harden, and Trey Young. Follow that. That's all at betonline.ag. Use your promo code locked on and get a 50% welcome bonus. All right, so the big news is out there that the Jazz are supposedly offering Mike Conley a three-year, $75 million deal. Um, there's This is interesting when news like this gets out. I, I don't feel like this is always sleuth reporting. I think there's usually a reason why somebody gets this story out and why it goes out. So I'm trying to figure out why. So one is could be the Jazz leaked it out there to send a message to the rest of the NBA that we're in the tax. Our owner is serious. We're still going to spend. Don't think you can sneak in on Mike Conley and get him for cheap because we're willing to spend to try to quiet the market on Mike Conley. The other possibility is that Mike Conley's agent might have thrown that out there as a way to say, hey, here's what the offer is we've been talking about. Can you beat it is a possibility out uh, to get it out there. Um, would be the other option. So it's interesting that that's out. I mean, it's like kind of the one deal that's out there that's already being talked about with numbers. There isn't another one in the NBA. Uh, 
and and everything has been pointing to good signs. This can change just in a moment, right? It takes one team to change. Here's the way the landscape feels as we head into free agency. And and the way the landscape feels right now is that Miami is the leader, according to Woj, for Kyle Lowry. Surf feels like that one might have already been negotiated um, since we're getting the details on what the sign-in trade would be um, with Toronto to get Kyle Lowry. There's Chris Haynes is reporting Lonzo Ball is likely heading to Chicago. So when we go back and talk about Mike Conley from the very beginning, we've always talked about five teams that are have cap space and that are in the market for point guards. And those five were Miami, looks like Lowry, Chicago, looks like Ball, Dallas, New Orleans, and New York. And so with Dallas, New Orleans, and New York suddenly – now on the board competing. Now, this might change if Chris Paul, who opted out his $40 million deal, suddenly decides he's actually not heading back to Phoenix. By the way, Chris Paul's opt-out, I think, is very good for the Jazz. He's 36 years old. Phoenix is going to have to sign him for probably three more years at about 123 to $144 million. And that is great for the Jazz, that Chris Paul's going to, that Phoenix gets tied up with that kind of money in the process. The other, you know, if Lowry's gone, now Mike Conley is probably the next one on the market of eligible choices for Dallas, uh, New Orleans, or the Knicks. And if, you know, maybe Chris Paul is going to the Knicks, maybe Chris Paul decides, I don't think he would go to Dallas because Luka's going to have the ball in his hands. Um, and then you wonder what the other players who are out there. There's Dennis Schroeder, there's Devontae Graham, uh, of the point guards, Evan Fournier seems to be suddenly about to get a bunch of money. Norman Powell is available. Tim Hardaway Jr. So keep an eye on those names. Those are the ones we really probably want to watch more closely than anything else because they need to fill those spaces. So to, as the word starts to get out today on deals, if Mike's not signed immediately, if the first thing that doesn't come down is that the Jazz have signed Mike Conley to a new three-year deal, then you're watching to see you know, where does Devontae Graham go? Does he take any of that cap space from any of those teams? Spencer Dinwiddie is being talked about as a tr in a sign and trade with the Wizards. Does he, you know, so he takes some of that deal. Then then the, it drops off for point guards pretty severely. Does Dennis Schroeder get anything? Does Kendrick Nunn? And you're really just into what the other marquee players are. Kawhi Leonard, possibly. I think he's going to redo his deal with the Clippers. But that's really where you get to be in free agency. Now, from a Jazz standpoint, I do think there's a few things we're looking for in free agency. I think we're looking for a minimum level backup point guard. I'm a little intrigued by Frank Nilakina. I've said that a few times. He's shown flashes as a defender. He's not a great athlete offensively in our system. Maybe he could be better. He's shot a little bit better at times. He's only 23 years old. Um, I mean, there, there's not his game is you know below average, um, but maybe he's someone who at 23 can still develop and is a good enough defender. Alfred Payton's likely to not get a deal. If you believe in Dennis Smith Jr., maybe you make a run on that. That feels a little Emmanuel Moutier-esque. Um, so keep an eye on that as a backup point guard. I think the other one we'd like to be able to do is get some versatility at the 
at the wing or power forward. Um, there's a chance that George Niang's going to get a real offer. Can we turn that into a sign-in trade so that we're able to bring something back of that sort? Ideally, I would love us to get a Nicholas Batum or a Doug McDermott or a Nima Bielitsa or a Rudy Gay, but I don't think any of those players are going to slide into a taxpayer mid-level and drop that far off the marketplace um, for us to be able to get involved. You know, even a Jamichael Green, uh, I think, is probably a player that gets you know more than that. So you start to look at like, is Niccolo Melli available? Do you like him? Is a James Johnson available? Do you like him? Are there some other players? Andre Iguodala just got released. I'm not sure that really fits where we are. Um, but are there players in that ilk? Um, that could happen. Markeith Morris of the Lakers might be available and be able to play a few different um, positions if you want to try to grab him and also pull him away from the Lakers um, as well. So those are the kind of things I would keep an eye on here in free agency. One of the big things to me that in is important about the draft day, and we talked about it the other day when we uh, talked last about what's a win for the Jazz. Right now, for me, a win for the Jazz is that nobody else in the Western Conference gets dramatically better. In other words, I don't think the Lakers got better with Westbrook. We haven't talked about that yet, but they don't have floor spacing. He plays so incredibly hard that he'll force those guys to play hard, and there's great value in that. But he's such an inefficient player. His teams haven't won. He's an offensive possession killer. I don't know how they're going to score in the half court. So I'm not. I don't. I'm not bullish on that. I don't think they got better. I think they would have probably got better with Buddy Heald uh, more than they would have got better with Russell Westbrook. Phoenix may not get better if they lose Chris Paul in this deal. Denver's lost Jamal Murray for the year, so I don't know how they get better. Clippers without Kawhi Leonard for the year, and there's some talk that they're just kind of going to wait a year. Right? This is like does Dallas do something that makes them dramatically better? as a roster um, here, that that's a key thing for me to watch. I'd like to keep Dallas out of being a title contender right now. Right now in the Western Conference, it feels like there's five title contenders, the Jazz, Denver, the Clippers, the Lakers, and the Suns. Suddenly, if you lose Chris Paul, who knows? Golden State's probably knocking on the door. Do they really just keep this young crew with their stars and they're relying on Clay Thompson coming off an Achilles and an ACL to be a star again? And then you have Dallas should get better. There's a lot of different teams in here. Can can we avoid having any of those teams make a major jump and and move into the uh, complexity of the Western top of the Western Conference? To me, that's the key here uh, for the Utah Jazz. As much as anything for the Jazz, it's watching what the other teams do in the West. All right, enjoy free agency. I'll try to get back to you at some point this week. Thanks very much for tuning in. This has been Locked On Jazz, part of Locked On Podcast Network.